Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kristen Agopian Show. Shout outs from everybody here in Studio B as we connect with our 200 plus stations coast to coast via the BizTalk Radio and BBS Radio Networks. Greetings to you all. This week's show is brought to you by our caring sponsors at Elite Rehab. Guys, because everyone... Everyone knows a family that is fighting the effects of today's substance abuse epidemic. Every generation had something to fight, whether it was polio or was some other ailment, some other thing affecting that generation. This one, it's the substance abuse epidemic. And if you or someone you care about needs help, pick up the phone. Help is waiting. Call the professionals at 800-932-4082. That's 800-932-4082. Help the one you love, put that chapter behind them. 800-932-4082. Sitting here with my caramel macchiato with a little too much heavy cream, and I say that is a good thing. It's dang good. I've got this lower voice thing going on right now. We just came back from traveling, had a fantastic time. My voice is just, it's crazy low. It was so worn out. We laughed till we were sick. We were with family and friends, had a great time. So now this week, you've got the Demi Moore voice. Enjoy. Frugal-related headline number one. And I got more comments on this than I thought I would. The lady in Australia, beautiful young lady, gorgeous. She passed away after the extreme protein dieting she was doing. I got a few comments on this. This was, first of all, so sad. It started off so good. This young lady, a new mom, God bless, was trying to get back in shape, got into the fitness craze, which is good. So many great things from that. Upped her protein intake, another good thing. Lowered her sugar intake, also very, very good. And then started to overdo on the protein shakes. That is what they're blaming on this, which are great in moderation, but you can't overdo it. It's like anything else in life. My big takeaway from this and the frugal message is that, thank goodness, it's an easily avoided danger. And another takeaway, these protein powders, I've used them myself a good number of times. I'll stir the protein powders like into my coffee and stuff. It's not what you want to power your entire life. It's meant to accent it. You know, go for the regular proteins that your body can handle. Here's the frugal tie-in. They're far less expensive. The turkey, the eggs, the lean hamburger that you buy in bulk when it goes on sale. All of that, your body can recognize it better and take it easy. Like any fad of any kind, whether it's clothes or cars or shoes or house designs, think the 1970s avocado appliances. We all know somebody who still has one of those. Fads never survive the long term, okay? Keep it old school. Cook up an egg on your still-functioning fabulous avocado stove. Or maybe your stove is in mustard yellow. You get the point. Keep everything in perspective. It's less expensive. It's healthier. It is much, much more sustainable. Lowering your weight is honestly just like lowering your debt. There are no quick fixes. They don't exist. Now, listen to me preaching here. When it comes to lowering your debt, I'm your gal. Lowering your weight Run in the opposite direction if I start giving you some advice on that because I got to practice more what I preach on that. But in all seriousness, if you're keeping it old school and you keep your head and you keep your patience when it comes to your weight and your finances, there are no quick fix. Take your time and you will, you will, you will get the results you need. I got an interesting note. One of the reasons I bring up this whole subject matter to begin with 
Dr. Nika J, Indianapolis, chimed in via email. Nika, thank you so much. A very long email. I'm going to summarize it. He had some great comments saying flat out, this is so brilliant, if it's a food source that didn't exist 100 years ago or more before the big explosion of machine-made, expensive machine-made products, I might add, you want to keep those to a minimum. Keep it to the food sources that existed 100 years ago or more. The complex carbs with the multigrains and the vegetables and the fruit and the lean proteins and some dairy thrown in there if your body tolerates dairy well. Don't I sound like an old lady when I talk like that? Nobody gets me here in the studio. Uh, but in all honesty, if it's food that existed 100 years ago, go for that. Find those items on sale. They go for sale far more often than you might think. Stock up on those for you, for your health, for your family's health. And you're going to find, you know, my earlier comments, eggs, high-fiber fruits and veggies, the meats, the high-fiber carbs. That's what you want to lean into. Why? Because not only, of course, it saves you money because those convenience products are so hugely expensive per ounce. Just do a little bit of, you know, cost comparison. But it's going to save your health. And based on today's headlines, it may just save your life. So frugal on with that one. Next up, this week's Craigslist update. I got so many, so many comments on this. On social media, I got some texts regarding this. I got some great emails. I am still working on the gray bathroom upstairs. It is a huge bathroom in my Victorian fixer-upper, so it needs some furniture to flesh it out a bit. And what I'm learning time and again, I got to stop being so shocked by this, by how flippin' expensive furniture is. It's ridiculous. Now, in this bathroom, in this huge oversized bathroom, it used to be a different type of room than in the 40s, long before we owned it. It got converted into a larger kind of bathroom. It's just a 38-inch sink in there, but it works well because the towel racks, you know, on the tile to the left and right, it balances it out. I got great comments on last week's faux marble vanity makeover. I took our truly ugly, ugly, capital U, ugly, yet functional, therefore we still love it, old Englished the heck out of the sides. And it brought back the grain so beautifully. Talk about old school. Old English absolutely rocks. I just love that stuff. The dings and the dents and the chunks, the little things out of it. Old English. Old English, baby, you will love it. Then I took my rolls of beloved faux marble contact paper, which I am coming to adore more and more and more. Used it on the ugly 70s Formica fake yet still tough and rugged sink top. Added some new pulls to the front cabinets. It came out great. Guys, if you want to freshen up some part of your house and you're thinking, I need a new piece of furniture here, you're just dreaming about it. But then with like a thunderbolt, you realize that you want the same size and dimension on the next piece of furniture as you have right now. Take a good hard look at your existing piece and then put on your bold imagination cap. All right. And realize that there are some spectacular products out there, new products, products that didn't even exist, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago. The paints, the stains, the varnishes, the contact paper, you know, I was going to throw that in there. Products you may not have even heard of that can transform that old piece like you would not believe. I took a crummy, truly crummy, yet functional Ugly old 70s vanity and sink, and it's now exactly what I wanted to buy. It looks antique. 
It looks Victorian. It looks fantastic. And I did it for less than 10 bucks. When these new vanities out there with a straight face, they're saying that they would charge me like 500, 700, ridiculous amounts. We did it for less than 10 bucks. All right. Susan T. I love you, Susan. Listening in from L.A. reminds me, and she is so right. Holy criminy. That I didn't even take into consideration that the instant you're trying to update or upgrade anything in a bathroom or a kitchen or anywhere with plumbing included, that you will, without a doubt, whether you're in new construction, you're in an old Victorian, anywhere in between, you will run into problems. If it's involving pipes or anything else, you know, leaks, new pieces that won't line up, you name it. And now this product is costing, you know, the project's costing even more. And she is so right. So again, if you can upgrade your existing pieces with some of the new products out there, go for it. So we have the sink done. I am so happy with how this turned out. It's now looking like this antique dark wood vanity covered with Italian marble, topped with, I barely mentioned this, a gorgeous, large, antique, gilded, detailed mirror. Boomalicious. It's fabulous. So now... I am looking for a nice, what do they call it, like an armoire, you know, a nice larger wardrobe on the other side of the bathroom that I can keep towels in, that sort of thing. Victorians were not known for their storage space. You know why? Because they didn't have as much crap as we have today. They thought they had plenty of storage space for their time in their era, and they did. But now we have far more crap, so now we have to find a place to store it. So we've got tall ceilings in this house, so I can go tall with this thing. I saw gorgeous armoires and cabinets online, some new, some antique, all leaning towards the, I I can't even say it, all leaning towards like the $500 and up category. So clearly, no, no. Got back onto Craigslist and within 20 minutes found a lovely, tall, darker wood with a good number of scratches. This thing's been through stuff. I love it. Great upper section that opens up like a classic armoire, lots of shelves. Lower part has big wide cabinets for additional towels and the soaps, you name it. I love it. It's exactly what I need. I checked the dimensions and it's going to work perfectly in the back of the Blue Bombers. So no additional charge to rent a U-Haul. Go me. And they're only asking 40 bucks, which my research tells me is more than reasonable. So by the time this is going to air and you're listening to this, it is mine. It is installed. I'm going to stain the heck out of it with the fabulous Old English. Add some marble accents. It is officially a Hagopian piece. Frugalom. That's what I'm talking about. Guys, hang out for a minute. More after this. And we are back with the Kristen Nagopian Show. And I am so pleased about our next guest because, guys, you know what a huge fan I am of supporting small businesses. I know you guys are as well. They were hit with this impossible task of staying financially afloat for months, not weeks, but months, close to a year, all kind of flies by in a blur now, while closing down to help protect the public. And, guys, whether you're aware of this or not, 99% of the companies in the U.S., are actually classified as small businesses. It's not all Amazon. It's not all Google. It's it's small businesses like yours and mine employing 60 million people. What a heck of a year. But now with COVID numbers hitting new lows every week, praise the Lord, these small businesses are picking themselves back up. The numbers aren't lying. I'm loving them all. And here to tell us more 
is New York Times columnist, Washington Post, The Hill, The Philadelphia Inquirer here in town, Forbes magazine, so many other publications. Jean Marks here to discuss the first big indicator of small business recovery and how you too can help make it move forward even more. Jean, your work on MSNBC and Fox News, outstanding. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kristen, for having me on. And uh, boy, I share the same passion you do for small businesses. I know. Who does? It's just, it runs through American veins, whether you're first generation American, 10th generation American, small business is where it's at. Yep. And you brought up so many good points. And when I'm reading all of the stuff you're talking about these days, Americans are back out. Things are opening back up. It's great news for businesses, yep. large and small. Case in point, something that interested me during Amazon Prime Day, June 22nd, 21st, I believe, the retailer offered more than two. Two million deals across every category, critical time for America's businesses. Now, we have listeners coast to coast, many of them small business owners themselves. When you're studying all this, because you have got a real finger on the pulse of all this, give us the statistics that seem to jump out at you most regarding small business success during Prime Day this year. Well, first of all, let me just tell you something to add to some of the data that you already provided. I mean, in this country, small businesses employ more than 50% of the workers and they contribute more than 50% of the gross domestic product in this country. So, wow. you know, when, when small businesses are doing well, the American economy is doing well, right? And, and Amazon knows that. So Amazon itself has 2 million small and mid-sized merchants. And those small and mid-sized merchants, they account for about 60% of the product sales on amazon.com. So when you hear how Amazon is doing, uh, you also just remember that 60% of, of those revenues or product sales are, are being generated by small merchants on their sites. Really, really important. So, you know, Amazon knows how important they are. Small businesses themselves knows how important Amazon is. You know, they, they like to do whatever they can to support small businesses. Before Prime Day, which was just recently, uh, they ran a special campaign. You know, if you bought like $10 of stuff before Prime Day, you would get a $10 credit to spend uh, you know, with a small merchant on Prime Day, that campaign, it generated $1.9 billion for small merchants on Amazon.com. So again, Amazon knows how important small businesses are to their business, but they also know how important small businesses are to the entire American economy. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And I'm taking notes as we're talking here. In your research, you know, as we build things back up again, what are you finding as to what kinds of small businesses saw like the largest sales boost this year? We're all getting caught up, but what are the ones that really stick out as the ones that saw the largest sales boost this year? Uh, it depends on the products that they sell, and it also depends on, you know, on the region that they're in. So there are some real fast-moving product lines on Amazon.com, which is, again, you know, where, you know, where, where you're going to go for like data like this. People that are in the electronics field, big sellers there because people are beefing up on technologies, healthcare and healthcare products, even some cosmetic products as well. Even though we're all working from home, still people wanted to look good, especially clothing lines, as well as handmade crafts and things like that. These are all just of a number of the type of like the hot moving product lines that I saw on Amazon this past year. So you know, really, if business owner and you wanted to start up a business this year and you had really anything that you wanted to sell, with the right amount of effort that you put in, you have a built-in market on Amazon to sell your stuff. And by the way, Amazon's not the only game in town. I mean, there's plenty of other online places to sell your, your materials. But you know, again, they've got such a large audience. That's where a lot of these merchants, small merchants gravitated to. Oh, it's so true. And it's a great reminder. You're so right. It is one platform, but it's one of many. It's so great out there. I'm, yes. I'm always so impressed with the resilience of American small businesses when they get punched, take care of business, and then they punch right back. Now, all of us appreciate 
deeply how these same small businesses are truly the backbone of this country. Give us an idea of the numbers we're talking about as the American economy regains its pre-pandemic footing and how our listeners coast to coast can help support these businesses. Are we are we walking up to storefronts again? Are we doing most of our stuff online? What's the best way of getting this stuff done and getting things back to business and putting this thing in the rearview mirror for good? Well, there's 30 million small businesses in this country. And obviously, you know, you know, different, many of them had different experiences during COVID. I saw quite a few of them really struggle last year. I saw a bunch of businesses that, that had pretty good years, you know, in 2020. So it really does depend. But it's very important to support your, your local small businesses. And what I'm telling people to do, and again, I'm, an, I'm a small business owner, so they're my livelihood. Uh, you need to go local and shop locally if you can. Very important. But if you want to go online, there are other sites that are dedicated towards small businesses. You and I are talking about Amazon. I mean, 2 million small merchants. So that's not a bad place to start if you'd like to support small businesses. Amazon has a site called it's amazon.com forward slash support small. And if you go there, any of the money that you spend will go to one of their 2 million small merchants. And by the way, if you want to spend money specifically on a female-owned business, on a business that's in your local area, I'm in Philly, you you can do that too on their support small site. So it's amazon.com forward slash support small. Uh, it's just one of the many places you can go to show your support for small businesses in this country. Oh, that's really something. I love that. And to all of those small business owners who were so severely impacted by the pandemic, but managed to hang through it just you know, barely by their fingernails, or maybe those people out there now looking for their next small business opportunity. Yep. Give me your idea of your top, say, two to three tips to small business owners to pave the way to future success and maybe really hit the ground running with their next venture? What are the go-to moves that you're finding are being the most effective? First of all, I'm going to tell you that I'm no genius. Um, I can only report to you what my best clients and my readers, the people that I interview are doing, okay? Number one is I am seeing a lot of business owners double down on technology. Our biggest problem is finding people right now. We have a labor shortage and labor costs are going up. So I am seeing a lot of businesses invest in technologies, cloud-based technologies, things that will keep their employees as productive as possible so that they can get as much work out of them as possible, uh, reasonably so, because of, of the supply shortage of labor that's out there right now. Updating your website is absolutely critical this year. We talked about how important it is to be online and uh, making sure people can find you online. And when they do find your website, the, the website design and technologies are changing all the time. And it's really, really important to make sure that you're keeping up with that. And finally, my smartest clients are expanding their channels. You know, they're selling from their business locations, but like we talked about before, it's plenty of other places online to sell your business, including your own website. And what you should be saying to yourself coming out of the pandemic is, look, I want to make sure that my products get in front as many people as possible around the world. So sure, let me sell on Amazon, but let me also sign up to be a merchant or sell on other places too, including my own website so I can give myself the maximum opportunities to make my products available. So upgrading your website and getting found, expanding your channels online to get your products out there. Three big things that I'm seeing among my clients this year for them to grow and succeed post-pandemic. I love that. Columnist Gene Marks, business growth specialist. I knew the time would fly. Your advice is so spot on and impactful and hopeful. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for being a rational voice in the storm. You got an open mic anytime. Please join us again. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back. Take care. And we'll be right back, gang, right after this. Cheap is small.
And we are back with the Kristen Agopian Show. Half past the hour, you know what that means. Time for another fabulous episode of Dad and Daughter Talk Real Estate with the man here in studio in person, John Harriet, here to break down all of this week's headlines and how they translate into a fantastic, unbelievable real estate market for you. And hello again, everybody. This is John Harriet with Keller Williams Real Estate with another edition of Dad and Daughter Talk Real Estate. Trying to give you some good direction on what you need to know and think about with respect to making the biggest investment of most people's investment lifetimes. And sometimes people will buy two and three houses, occasionally four and five houses in a lifetime or more if you're thinking about investing. But Chrissy, what have some of our listeners been coming in with questions about for this last week. We have the most awesome listeners and we, we get these wonderful collections of emails, texts, that kind of thing. Mainly it's via Facebook and emailing right now. Three really jumped out at me because you've got a lot of people out there. You hear all of the various news out there. We've got jobs numbers. We also have lowering interest rates, which is fabulous news. First question, which one should we go with first? Here we go. James in Montgomeryville, still concerned, and this is valid. There's economic news out there, but he is still concerned about a potential housing, you don't want to say collapse, but let's face it, that is what we came out of before. And he just needs a little reassurance that the numbers right now are going in a good direction to continue a fabulous real estate market with no huge looming real estate collapse on the horizon. Okay, and James, this was? Okay, James, listen, concern is very, very well placed because I remember I was in the real estate business back in 2008. I got into the real estate business in, in 2000. And in 2008, we were all fat, dumb, and happy thinking this, uh, this, this, this gravy train is going to go on forever. And lo and behold, it blew up, and we were on a roller coaster down for the next five, six years. took us until 2012, 2013 to hit the bottom and then begin to recover. But that was all because the federal government made it so easy to get mortgage loans. And one of these days, we'll devote a whole a whole program to that. But it was nothing wrong with the housing market other than the federal government goosed the money supply to a point where it was totally irrational. And that's what caused that bubble to collapse. One way to look at this is mortgage debt out of control, because mortgage debt getting out of control back in 2008 is really what caused the, uh, what caused the problem, Chrissy. And if you take a look at history, back in, uh, back in 2007, the first part of 2008, and I'm going to get a little bit policy wonky here and get a little bit out in the weeds with some numbers, but in that period of time, late 2007, early 2008, mortgage debt, household debt service, requirements for mortgages expressed as a percentage of disposable personal income. In other words, taken nationwide, how much money were people making and how much money did they have to put up for their debt service on the mortgages in order to keep them current? That percentage was 7.2%. Now, that may not mean much. didn't mean much to me when I first read this article as I was doing the research for uh, answering your question. But uh, that was the highest that it has ever been in the United States in our history, 7.2% of disposable income being required to pay off mortgages and keep them current. Now, there were some times that got up fairly high. 1991, for example, got up as high as 6.2%. 1998 got up as high as 5.5%. But if you look at that bubble, that peak in 2007-2008, which really precipitated this disastrous, disastrous fall that we had. And it was disastrous. Kids not being able to go to college, uh, people being forced out of their homes, lots and lots of bad stuff. Now, if you look at 
What percentage of disposable income is required to keep mortgages current in the United States? That percentage is 4.25%, about three full percentage points lower than the 7.2% we had back in 2007-2008. So that is well, well, well below the levels at which we saw back in 2007 and 2008. Disposable personal income is up a lot higher now than it has been for a number of years. And mortgages are a lot more secure now than they have been for a number of years. You know, the personal disposable income needed to service mortgage debt in this country and keep it current, it's only four and a quarter percent, lowest in a long, 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 long time. And, uh, And it is true, by the way, that corporate tax rates were cut. And some people think that any corporate tax rate cut is a giveaway to the rich. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, Those rich folks running the corporations are the same ones who take those increased profits and reinvest them for more jobs. And the cumulative effect of those kinds of increased profits, that kind of increased investment over a 10, 15, 20, 30, and 40-year period is immense. And any people who do not understand that and recognize it are just operating from a very, very immense and arrogant form of ignorance about basic economics. There. I said it. I'm probably making a few people mad, but that's exactly the way I feel it's about right. it. because We're just doing our job. That's what we are. So anyway, to the person who asked that question, is mortgage debt getting out of hand? No, not yet. Now, I would still, as listeners to this program perhaps recall, I would still love to see a system that we get back to a system where mortgage lending decisions are made locally, something like a savings and loan association or a bank focused on mortgage lending, where they evaluate the applicant and they decide on the basis of, is this person probably going to be able to repay me? And then their profits and loss and their corporate livelihood really depend upon how many of those loans get repaid and get repaid on time. Right now, the way it works is about 95% of all mortgage loans that are made, you may think that you're getting a mortgage loan from Wells Fargo Bank or Waterstone Bank or the local lender at Berkshire Hathaway. Not the way it works, folks. As soon as that loan gets settled, that lender, that broker actually, resells it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, most likely Fannie Mae or Freddie. And right now, their standards are not all that liberal. They're a little bit too liberal in some situations. But as soon as the politicians think they can buy your vote and mine by easing those mortgage standards, guess what happens? They will. Yep. But for right now, I don't see it. Uh, The disposable personal income is at a level that it's very, very capable of supporting the mortgage debt in the country. And I don't see any real chance for a bubble like we had developing in the past coming through right now. And I hope that's reassuring. And if you'd like to discuss that anymore or see some more information on it, uh, please give us a call at the Dad and Daughter Talk Real Estate Hotline and say, hey, John, I'd like to chat with you some more about the real estate mortgage debt and how that's being handled in the country. And Chrissy, give them that, uh, give them that number again. Absolutely. That number is 484-574-4088. You can also go to dadanddaughtertalkrealestate.com. None of that is going to cost you a cent. I tell people I give advice that's free. That is actually worth something. <laughs> and it is. Okay. And it is. And Chrissy, how much time we got left in this segment there, kiddo? We have got about three minutes left in this segment. Plenty of time for one more question. Yeah. This one this one grabbed me. This is from Richard in Lansdale. Now, he has several renters in his family tree. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of homeowners. He has, however for a good while, had a dream to own his own home. Now, of course, you sit around the dinner table with a lot of people who rent, wonderful, well-meaning people, and you might get the impression from them that it's smarter to rent 
than to own. And he's listened to your show for a bit. He'd love a little reassurance on that, especially with all the latest numbers out there. Let's talk him down out of his tree and tell him why now's a great time to own. <laughs> okay, good. And uh, Richard was the fellow in Lansdale? Right. Okay. Richard, I've, um, I'm actually working with a, uh, with a young couple now uh, who have a home, but for uh, family reasons, they want to move out of it, get into a little different school district, plus the fellow's parents are moving in with them, and the house is going to be a little bit too small. And so they're looking at uh, selling this house and moving into a larger home. And one of the things they're now considering is since uh, selling may take a while, even though we're in a very fast market, is they're considering renting their house out for three or four or five years. And I've told them, based upon the projections I see, in three, four or five years, their house that's now worth probably $300,000 is probably going to be worth uh, $40,000, $50,000 more in four or five years. And that might be worth sitting around waiting for. And these people are qualified enough so they could go out and buy another house and then rent this one out. And I asked them the last time we were together, I said, uh, how much is your mortgage payment? They said, well, it's about $2,000 a month. Okay. And we believe we can rent the house for $2,500 a month. So guess what? There you go. There you go. Holding out of the house, renting it is probably going to generate about $500 a month positive cash flow. Brilliant. Okay. Plus, they still get to retain all of the tax advantages of owning. Uh, They have a tax leverage investment. And that's what people are going to find just about no matter where they look. The cost of renting is going to be equal to or greater than the cost of owning your own home. True, you do have to come up with a down payment. Right. Chrissy, I'm going to talk about ways to really minimize that down payment so if people want to get into a home they own. They can do it. That's fantastic. And we will definitely touch on that next week. The time has flown. Guys, hang out for a second. We're going to take a quick break, pay a couple of bills. More of the Kristen Gopian Show right after this. are back with the Kristen Agopian show and you guys already know what an Olympics junkie I am anything and everything about the Olympics I am so in and we're so due for one the energy and the patriotism and the pride it is marvelous and another thing I love to connect with you guys with are the everyday concerns and the financial worries and the ailments that so many Americans have to deal with, including migraine. Well, imagine my delight with myself when we can welcome a guest to all of our 200 stations coast to coast that can effortlessly chat about all of the above. Joining us via our newsmaker line, five-time Olympic gymnastics medalist turned sportscaster and style icon, Anastasia Nastia Lukin, courtesy of the amazing researchers at Bio. 
Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. Nastia, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Whenever I put the word out about really fantastic guests like you on social media, things just blow up. And when I was bragging about having you on the air, you have got a Facebook following that we've got coast to coast with our stations. It is just fantastic to see. You are an amazing American champion. Believe it or not, you know, we have a couple of things in common. You love to do these incredible gymnastic moves, daily punishing training workouts that led you to five Olympic medals. And while I like to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos, while I watch and loudly cheer on American gymnasts that do incredible moves that require decades of daily punishing training workouts. So it's practically like we're twins. But in all seriousness, you are one of the 40 million Americans who have had to go for their life goals with a lurking pain in the background known as migraine. It is the second most debilitating disease globally, and it is no joke. Tell our listeners coast to coast a bit about your journey with migraine and the disease's impact on your career and even your personal life, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I was training for the Olympics back in 2008, that was the first time that I had a migraine and I was confused because I had no idea what was happening when all of a sudden I couldn't really even see half the beam, let alone, you know, everything else. The only thing that helped in that moment was to sit in a dark room and and I kind of just waited for it to pass. And so not knowing, you know, how to treat it or how to prevent it was kind of scary, especially as like the Olympics were right around the corner and he prescribed me Nartec ODT and it's actually a medication for not only the treatment, but also the prevention of episodic migraine in adults. And the most common side effects are nausea, stomach pain, and indigestion. So knowing that now I can go to the Olympics, it just kind of gives me that peace of mind knowing that I, you know, I do have Nurtec ODT and it is, can be a prevention as well. And not just, you don't just have to wait for, you know, you to be in the middle of a migraine to, um, to take the tablet, which also, by the way, is super convenient because it's orally dissolving tablet. And so no water needed, nothing, you know, we're traveling or I'm on camera or whatever it is that I'm doing um, every single day. It gives me that peace of mind that I need. That's fantastic. And I'm taking notes as you're talking here. It really does sound as though this is kind of the next generation out there. When I was a kid, we'd know people who had migraines and the treatment were, it seems like, generations apart, like a 100 years difference compared to what we have today. So when you discuss these amazing cutting-edge pharmaceuticals that are helping so many people, you must get a lot of people saying, you know, I had no idea that even existed out there. I think a lot of people are stuck in the mentality where if you've got migraine, you just have to shut down for the day, nothing's going to happen, and there's no treatment for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone's symptoms are so different. And so that's kind of why I encourage, you know, everybody to talk to their doctor or to visit neurotech.com to learn more. As you mentioned, you know, it's like you that was me training for the Olympics, I didn't know anything different. And I, I also like had no idea that, you know, I should talk to a doctor. I didn't know that, you know, other so many millions of people were dealing with the same exact thing. And that's, you know, another reason why I did want to open up and share my story, because I feel like we're all so used to sharing, you know, those like gold medal winning moments, whether that's literally or figuratively, and not as many people feel comfortable sharing, you know, those the moments that they're they're suffering or they're not on top or they're struggling. And so I, I feel like it's really important to try to normalize, you know, opening up and sharing, obviously, as much as you're comfortable. But for me, you know, having the platform that I have, if I can help one person, then I feel like I've done my job. 
That's fantastic. Now, in your years dealing with this, you have all of these new cutting-edge tools. What have been your other best go-to moves for managing migraine? Is it something where, you know, a certain sleep schedule helps or a certain, you know, you lay back on the Olympic training a bit or maybe you add a little walking to it? What has been your go-to moves when it comes to this kind of thing that our listeners might benefit from? It's the simplest things that really are the most effective when you combine them with these new treatments. I, entire life, I really have routines. And so like, this is part of my routine, you know, all the other things that you mentioned as well. And that's why for me, living a healthy, active lifestyle is extremely important. But that being said, I lived a healthy, active lifestyle when I was training for the Olympic games in 2008, and I still was having migraines. So again, everyone's symptoms are so different, you know, what your main triggers are different. So talking to your doctor is just so, so important. I know I can only, you know, speak on behalf of myself and what has helped me, but yeah, I think stress is a big one for me. And as much as I try to eliminate (laughs) as much stress as possible, you know, it's, it's also a little bit of human nature to feel stressed. And so, you know, that's okay. But also knowing that now I have a way to prevent a migraine before it even begins is is just like a huge relief for me, especially when I'm halfway across the world and, you know, commentating or working or whatever it is that I'm doing. It's so true. Yeah, one less thing. My gosh, your schedule's amazing. So, and this question from all of your fans out there, tell us a bit about your other upcoming plans. You've got the itinerary for the Summer Olympics shaping up and all of the other irons you have in the fire. What else does the summer hold for your household this year? Gosh, you know, to be completely honest, (laughs) when I'm back mid-August from the Olympics, um, I'm looking forward to, you know, a little sleep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I I have a dog that he just turned a year old and um, I just moved back to Dallas about a year ago and my my family lives here. So to be completely honest, um, sounds super boring, but just spending time (laughs) with my my family, my friends, my dog, getting getting some extra sleep, possibly, um, you know, going on a little getaway vacation or trip or something. But um, yeah, obviously looking forward to the Olympics. But I know after every single Olympics, um, it uh, it definitely it definitely calls for some R and R for sure. <laughs> Well-deserved as well. Nastia Lukin, I knew the time would fly. Have a wonderful time at the Olympics. Thank you so much for all of your hard work as you represented your country. We just love you. And you got an open mic anytime. Please join us again whenever your schedule allows. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You bet. And until next week, save those pennies, pay with cash, and you all stay frugal out there.